Welcome to the Dream for Others podcast. I'm Naomi Arnold, an award-winning business and life passion coach, writer, speaker, and human rights activist. This show features inspiring conversations with those who use their platform, passions, and uniqueness to make a difference in the world. If you are big-hearted, open-minded, a lifelong learner, and are on a mission to help create a better world, this is the podcast for you. Now let's get started and dream for others. Today I am honoured to have Claire DeSiro on the Dream for Others podcast. Claire is a coach, speaker, product developer and the founder of Top 5 Movement. In 2006, she began writing down her top five moments of every day and has since recorded over 10,000 happy memories and counting. As the benefits of her happiness habit started spilling over into other areas of her life, Claire knew she needed to spread the word about the incredible power of positive thinking to transform the way we live, think and feel. In 2012, she took to the TEDx stage to tell her story and proceeded to take the top five movement global. With her practical approach to a positive mindset, Claire's now on a mission to help people around the world choose happiness and generosity, find joy and live their best lives. She does this through her speaking, coaching, facilitating behaviour change programs, writing as well as through her top five positive thought starter cards. I am a huge fan of Claire's work. Bulk order her psychologist-endorsed positive thought starter cards and can't help but smile whenever I see her name or her work. I can't wait to speak to Claire today and for her to share with us her views on personal leadership and gratitude and how we can use them to help change the world. Hi Claire, thank you so much for making time to chat to me today on the Dream for Others podcast. Hi Naomi, glad to be here. Now I have so many questions for you, (laughs) so many, so I think I'm just going to jump straight in so I can make the most of our time this morning. And usually I ask people to start by telling their story, but with you, I wanted to start a little bit differently because I have seen uh, you write in an email to me and in some other places about this beautiful vision that you have for the world. And I thought that would be a really nice place to start. So if you could, if you could start by telling us a bit about that, that would be wonderful. Yeah, great. Would love to. So I have a vision of a time where no one is in need, uh, where people are healthier both physically and mentally than they ever have been. People are connecting in more meaningful ways. Our planet is thriving and and small things make the world go round. Now, how amazing would that be? (laughs) It would be amazing, yeah. (laughs) Uh, And especially given um, the timing, I guess, of our interview at the moment with all of the... Uh, the stuff that's happening online out of the election and in the real world um, in the US. So that's just a beautiful vision. Yeah, I still believe in it despite Mm. the news this week. Mm. And you strongly believe that if people had a daily gratitude practice that it could lead to this vision coming to life. So I'm wondering, can you talk us through a little bit about that and how you think it can 
bring this vision to life and progress social change in the way that we desire? Yeah, absolutely. So my vision really was created out of a daily gratitude practice. So about 10 years ago, I um, had had some changes in my life and my housemate beautifully at the time bought a couple of magazines and left them on my bed. I found them when I got home from work and was reading through these magazines and there was an article in there around um, how to be happy and it was a checklist of those usual things around get some exercise, move your body, um, eat really well, drink eight glasses of water a day, um, those usual chestnuts. And then there was also a tip around write down some good things that happen each day. Um, and this really resonated with me because I'd tried many times as a younger person to write a journal to capture what was happening in each day and for some reason my brain would always go to writing things out in a chronological order and that <laughs> I wasn't really doing that justice unless I was writing down everything that happened and so what would happen is I would have written a page or a page and a half of the things that didn't really even matter that much and would either then get to the good stuff or I would lose interest and the habit never really got got rolling. What I loved about this tip was really it was kind of bullet pointing the good things that happened in every day. And so I decided from that day on that I was going to write down five positive things that happened each day. So it wasn't a list of five things that I was grateful for necessarily, like a, a traditional list around I'm grateful for having um, a roof over my head and food on my table and, and those basic needs. For me, it was around capturing what was happening in each day and like a, a journal of positive moments rather than a list of things I was pleased for. So I started doing that and then started to collect thousands and thousands of these over the years and telling people about it. And then what happened was people started saying, what are you going to do with all of these top five moments is what, what I called them. That was my top five list every day. Are you going to share them? And so you know, that sounded like an interesting idea at the time because I felt a new deep down in my heart that I needed to do something with this and that, that it was um, making a big difference for me and for the people around me that started to take on this habit. But it really came to life when I was um, completing a fellowship with the Centre for Sustainability Leaders and I was required to write a five-minute speech about something I was passionate about, a sustainability issue, and I was there amongst um, my peers who were from all different fields and all incredible in their own right. And they were talking about all these typical sustainability issues like carbon credits and vegetarianism and brown coal. And I was there at, at a bit of a loss around what to talk about. And I started to explore what the world would actually look like if everybody took on this daily habit of writing down five things and I was just, I was really pleased because I found that there was so much research that supported the benefits of this little habit and those individual benefits at a global level would seriously make some positive change that we would never be sorry about. Mm, I can picture that myself and feel it in my bones. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and you know, some of some of the benefits to writing a gratitude uh, having a gratitude practice, and people feeling more grateful and connecting in with these tiny moments that are actually momentous, even though they're so tiny, are that people are more energetic and more optimistic and more connected in meaningful ways. 
they're more generous and more likely to promote a cycle of generosity. You know, they're happier, they're healthier, they're more fun, they're more self-confident, more creative, more relaxed and emotionally balanced and more resilient and flexible. And these are the sorts of characteristics that a game changing for mm-hmm. an individual, let alone if everybody was able to access those benefits and just see things in a completely different light. They're not so fearful and and dramatic and I, I guess discriminatory. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little mm-hmm. bit more centered um, mm-hmm. and focused on on the good and and really having pe- people's eyes when when you able to fill yourself with strength then you're actually able to look beyond yourself as well yes absolutely and I think it's important to say that um, having a positive thinking habit or or a helpful thinking habit as I like to say because sometimes positive thinking brings up kind of unrealistic expectations for people or they can picture someone that's really annoyingly positive (laughs) you know and and a little bit out of touch with reality well this helpful thinking habit like this It's not about pretending that things are okay when they're not Um, and it's not about settling and not innovating and not being able to put on a critical hat at a time when you actually need to problem solve and see things from different perspectives and and come up with a balanced solution. Um, And yet it's not about comparing or shooting or feeling like you should be grateful or happy because you've got access to some things that other people, it's, it's really this truly personal habit that you can learn more about what truly makes you happy because often we can be really clueless and really distracted by our busy worlds and we don't necessarily know as individuals what makes us really happy and when we do know we can do more of those things and be happier and yeah then that really then links into that um, cycle of generosity and, and being able to have the capacity and confidence to look beyond ourselves and, and make change. Mm. And I can see how it might even feed into being able to have that solutions focused or that innovative way of thinking that even when things are really sucky in your life at the moment, that having that practice might might help with finding some ways through and having that hope. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, you and I would know from our coaching experience that when one person increases their confidence, they're not only likely to take action on the goals that they've got at the moment, but the type of goals that they set is likely to change and maybe be a bigger step or a leap or, you know, a sprint Mm -hmm. in a different direction as well. So Mm -hmm. again, apply that to everybody and yeah amplify that that confidence and those steps in a direction that is going to make the world a better place which sounds which sounds like such a cliche but it is actually quite practical yes definitely so is this where the because you've started quite a movement with with the top five and is there is this where it kind of started so it started with your own personal practice and then you had this five minute this five-minute talk, and then did it just kind of evolve from there to where it is now? Yeah, it did. So I think my my kind of love for personal development uh, was born 14 years ago. So I attended, I was 21 at the time, and I attended a personal development and leadership program with Rotary, um, who are a fantastic organisation. And I the next year I actually went back and joined the team. That's a program that runs every year. It goes for a week. 
and joined the team and started to learn a little bit more about personal development and started developing workshops for young people around motivation and um, aligning their actions with their values and assessing change and goal setting. And that really, for me, that opened up a whole nother part of myself that I, I didn't really know about. And so then I was really looking, looking and seeking all the time for tools that I could use or tools that I could share. And so, you know, my eyes were certainly opened to different techniques and tools that could build happiness. So that naturally my eyes were wide open when I came across this suggestion in the magazine to try this list capture capturing list of capturing positive moments. Um, then I, I guess another turning point for the top five um, was really when I was doing that the fellowship with the Centre for Sustainability Leaders because it that was really the first time that I took this individual habit beyond my notebook and made it really told a story around it really that people could um, connect with and actually see that this wasn't a fluffy little um, I, nice idea that may or may not work or was so simple that it could be overlooked. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at that retreat um, or at, at the time or part of the program that I wrote the speech, we were at um, what was called a media and speech writing retreat for a week as a part of that, that year-long course. And at the start of the speech, we had to say who our audience was. So for example, some of the other people in the course were they'd written a speech that was going to be addressing um, the local council or we're going to be addressing a room of journalists at a press conference. And so I decided that I was going to do a TED talk about this idea. And so I almost didn't say it and my um, goal buddy from the course gave me that little nod just at the perfect time, that little nudge just as I stood up there. And I I bravely um, said, this is going to be a TED Talk. And people were like, oh, okay, yep, cool. They just nodded. It was like it wasn't even a big deal for them and they were ready to listen. And so then I delivered the speech and you have to really be careful what you put out into the world (laughs) because, um, yeah, a little over 12 months later I found myself on the TEDx women's stage down here in Melbourne and, and was delivering a, a far more developed speech than that at that <laughs> initial draft. But um, that, I guess, is really where I would say that truly the movement was born was on December 1st in 2012 on that TEDx stage. Mm. There was there was no hiding from it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I'll put the link to that in the show notes so that everybody can watch it. It's an amazing talk. And in fact, something I scribbled down here to ask you about, which you've touched on slightly already, was uh, when you brought up in the in the TEDx talk around even when times are really tough and you're having a really rough day, or you mentioned even when traumatic world events happened, and and even in your own life when when someone close to you attempted suicide, that you've kept this practice that you have going and I'm just wondering if there's anyone listening at the moment who is really disheartened and really struggling and and discouraged by what's been happening in the world or in their life uh, what what would you share with them what would you have to say to them um, around how they can they can still tap into this practice even when 
they're not in the mood for it. Yeah. Uh, they want to feel that heaviness and that tension for a while or even if they're time poor or anything like that. Yeah, look, it's a, a great question. Um, what you focus on grows. So our brain processes billions of pieces of information every single day and we actually have a choice to um, influence it to see certain things and that can be actually seeing the tiniest of positive moments and soaking those up and experiencing those positive emotions. And when you do experience those positive emotions, whether it's, um, you know, joy or generosity or happiness or connectedness, the new neurons fire in your brain um, and strengthen your abilities. Um, I, you're right. Like I, I have taken the time um, on the toughest days to still write down five positive moments um, and a couple of examples are one one which I do reference in the TED talk was actually um, I didn't mention who it was at the time because it was so fresh but and it wasn't really public knowledge at the time but now it, it certainly is but my um, brother who's a returned soldier he tried to take his life a, a couple of months before um, I wrote that very first speech and that was a really tough time, as you can imagine, for um, our family. And the day that we found out, and he was in Sydney at the time, we got ourselves to Sydney. We were, in, we're um, Victorian-based. Got ourselves to Sydney pretty quickly. And I remember that night sitting down with mum and dad and saying, there must be five positive reasons to remember this day. This might be hard, but let's do it. And there were, you know, there was getting a park right outside the hospital there was a lady at the hotel that we were staying at could see that our family was distressed and without any questions, asking any questions, said, you guys have a late checkout. Let me know if there's anything that you need. Like there were people just seeming to look out for us. And I think there are actually people looking out for us all the time, but we're not necessarily tuned in to that. So, and it was actually us as a family getting together and doing that, that I believe really, really helped us. Um, yeah, in, the, in that situation, that same year, while my brother um, James was really sick and I mentioned that this is public, so I'm not talking out of school or sharing anything that he wouldn't be comfortable to share. He's, mm. he's since um, written a book about his experience and, and spoken about it. So it's well and truly, you know, public knowledge and that he wants to encourage people to speak up if they're not feeling well. Um, that That's really his message. So, yeah, the, the year that my brother was sick was also the year that I was doing the fellowship with the Centre for Sustainability Leaders and it my brother being sick was really consuming for our family it was really you know it was really intense and it was really difficult and there would have been plenty of times that I wanted to pull away from what excited me and what I knew was making a difference just to be and play my role in what was happening in that family unit mm. but it was actually, it was right near the very end of the course and there was just this quiet voice in me that said, I've got something to offer. I've still got something to offer and I need to go out and share that in the world and I need to keep my work going and I need to keep the things that um, really make me happiest. I've got to keep those alive and I've not only got to do that for myself and for this duty that I feel to the world, but I needed to do that for him as well to, to show him what, um, not what's possible because he needed to copy me, but just to actually show him that 
it was possible to live a life that was full and happy as yes. well. Yes. Yeah. So I guess the message to anybody that is maybe consumed um, or in a tricky place at the moment, I would I would say really this habit, it takes two minutes a day and it can really help you focus on the tiniest things that make you happy or that bring a little bit of joy or bring some positive emotion to your life. And once you know what that is, you can actually repeat it and do a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. Um, I'd also say that for anybody that is cruising and having a really great time at the moment is that tough things happen in life and, and our resilience is absolutely going to be tested. And this habit is actually around proactively building your mental health muscles and really proactively building strength and resilience so that when things happen, you might even realise that it helps at the time or not, but it, I can hand on heart say that building up this sort of strength and ability to see the positive um, absolutely makes a difference and it can make a world of difference depending on what you're going through um, personally. Oh, Claire, thank you for sharing that. I've got goosebumps and tears in my eyes. It's so <laughs> powerful yeah. that you share that story, yeah, and the impact yeah. that it can have. Yes. Wow. Yeah, it takes a big deep breath, but I, you know, I hope I hope it is helpful for people. Mm. I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Um, and through this movement, then you've created. Uh, like you're a psychologist endorsed product for starters and you have your top five movement website and tips and resources and it's become this it's grown and grown and grown Uh, can you maybe tell us a bit about these tips and products that you have and the different ways that people can practically do this Um, I know you've talked at the start about your own story of journaling and writing those five things Uh, how else what other practical ways can people make this part of their day Yeah, absolutely. So I have really put a lot of heart and soul into building a new online home over the last 12 months. My website is actually, and my business now is really all centered around simple tools for a happier life. So the idea of a tool is that you actually need to do something with it for it to be useful and to make a difference. And um, so it's not about collecting a toolkit full of tools and, and never using them, but it's actually around what are some tips and tools that people can pick up and use and play with like writing a top five? Um, and they're all sorted on this online home by the, the biggest excuses that hold my readers back. Mm-hmm. So I surveyed my readers and they told me their five main excuses. So things like um, I'm too busy at the moment, maybe I'll get to my goals later, or I don't have the energy or confidence to pursue my goals, or I know what I need to do, but I procrastinate you know, where to from here. And so I've actually collected a heap of resources. So there's actually over 100 tools on the website. Now, a tool could be um, as simple as a, a habit, like the top writing a top five, um, or it could be around how you can use music to support um, learning and focus or around um, how your thinking impacts how you feel and how you feel impacts how what how you show up in the world so there's tools around helping people understand their helpful and unhelpful thinking 
um, there's there's a load of information mm-hmm. on there. And I guess our, our two flagship tools are writing a top five list. So mm-hmm. there's some tips and on the website around how to do that in different ways people do that. Um, but then our other flagship tool is um, one that we've launched only a couple of months ago and it it's actually a physical product. It's the only paid product on the site. The rest, the rest of the content is free. Um, but this product, and as you mentioned, it, it is psychologist endorsed and it's a set of positive thought starters. So it's in a beautiful little craft um, cylinder and it is called More Happiness, Confidence and Energy in a Box. And it contains 50 um, positive thought starting questions that people can look at um, first thing in the morning or when they're waiting for something, at, you know, at the dentist or the bus stop, they can turn off their phones and, and really um, use these questions, can use them with their kids or with their partner um, or uh, even as a pick me up for a friend or just to disrupt somebody's thinking that you can see isn't very helpful. Every the the product is a tool, but every question in the pack is actually a tool. Because if you think about it, people can ask you a question, but you have to actually do something with it for that to be helpful. And so the beautiful thing about this is if you were to look at one of the questions and you don't have an answer with it um, for it at the time, it actually your your brain um, plants that question in your mind and then you might then be on the lookout for an answer to that question at another time which is fantastic and a really simple example of that is one of the questions um, which is really about trying to prompt people to be present and mindful about the powerful um, talents that their senses bring to their life one of the simple questions is what was your favourite smell from today? (laughs) And for some reason, it always gets a bit of a giggle out of people, that question. But And people are like, oh, I don't really know. Um, But then the next day, without a doubt, I get a text or a call or if I'm (laughs) seeing somebody, they'll be like, you wouldn't believe it. But today, I really noticed the smell of my coffee. Um, (laughs) I really noticed someone sitting next to me at work was eating an orange and I just, like, I was soaking it up. It was amazing. Or, yeah, just really noticing those things and so when you think about it that's a really simple question but there's another question in there around what interactions have you had lately that you're grateful for and or how did you connect with someone today or what generosity did you notice between other people Um, or which of your abilities or resources and experiences helped you get through today and so people are really starting to tune in to those helpful moments Yes, and they're really beautiful. And my son actually, interestingly, uh, was playing with them yesterday and pulling them out and asking me about them. And I thought, wouldn't that be beautiful as well, getting him and in with the practice with me when I draw the card in the morning and I, I put it in a little pin that sits on my desk. Um, oh, beautiful. And I thought that would be nice. I might start to see if he wants to play. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's great. I've, and I've actually had lots of mums actually tell me about the cards and the top five uh, movement practice in general as well. And there was one, a lady I worked with, Esther, her son, um, Archie, was four at the time when she introduced the top five to him. He was at kinder and he'd, he'd come home from kinder and he'd have one or two words about how his day was. But then after, like, experimenting with the top five a couple of times he'd now be like running out to the car to tell Esther about all of the great things that had happened that day like he was busting to tell her what they were and he'd been he'd been paying attention and tuning into it and it you know opened up a whole new 
um, part of his life that Esther just didn't know about. And <laughs> so it's a really practical, you know, it, it, sound, it so, sounds so simple. And this is the thing. Sometimes we can, as humans, we can dismiss the simple stuff mm. and we can look to complicate things because it might feel like it complicating something might take it to the next level. But, you know, the, the, the best things in life are, are so simple and, you know, often free as well. So, it, yeah, it is It is a habit that I'd really encourage people to try it. And it's, it's proven as one of those really instrumental ways for people to increase their happiness in a short amount of time. Yes, well, I'll be putting the link up for that to those who are listening. And it's almost Christmas, hint, hint. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Great stocking filler. <laughs> now, you also you wear a lot of hats, which I find really interesting. So it's not just top five movement that you do. You also have a corporate role and you've done volunteer work and you have many hats. So I'd love if you could just take a moment to tell us about those. Um, and the reason why I'm asking is not just because I find it interesting, but I often hear when I am out and about, and for example, when I go, I've been to recently a school career day, and people often feel pressured that they've got to choose this one career and this one thing that they do. And I, I just think you're a wonderful example of that you don't have to do that. So I would just love if you could take a moment to, to talk about this and 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 let us know how it kind of aligns with your passions and values and and how that works for you yeah okay great well because you've mentioned passions and values I will share with you that um, some of my values are around making a difference um, joy health um, family and friends and also actually productivity which might seem like a bit of a, a jarring value for someone to really um, connect with but for me, um, having a value of productivity is actually around having an impact and the biggest impact that you possibly can. So I'm I'm really excited around how I can always be um, having greater reach or creating a space for more people to try things out so that then they can become more in tune and more productive and, um, you know, really connect in with what makes them happiest as well. Um, so I guess that the three hats that I wear are, are well and truly aligned to all of those values. So the first is, of course, um, being the chief, chief positivity officer over at, at the Top 5 Movement, um, and that involves, of course, um, creating and sharing a lot of that content for free. It involves product development, so really taking a leap um, of courage this year to financially invest in in launching a product which I, I strongly believe um, is and, and know actually is making the world a better place. Um, the other hats that I wear at Top 5 is developing and running workshops. So for example this um, just this week I've had a, a trip to Sydney to run a workshop for half a day around well-being, positive mindset and leadership for a group of um, young leaders and industry's best leaders which is um, yeah, again, really connected to my values. The second hat that I wear is co-directing a personal development and leadership program called RILA. So that stands for the Rotary Youth Leadership Award. So this is a program that's actually run all over the world and it's run a little bit differently in different places. But for us um, in our area, which is um, 
the western part of Victoria and the, the southern part, uh, sorry, the eastern part of South Australia, we actually, we have a team of seven of us and we run a program every year for 50 young people, a social change and um, aspiring leadership program. So it goes for a week. The young Rotarians nominate young leaders that are between 18 to 25 year old years of age and they bring them all into this one place and our team runs the, that residential program. Um, that was actually the program that I went to when I was 21 and it was a total game changer for me because it was where my eyes were opened to the power of taking time out, reflecting, using tools, understanding my values is where I, that program is also where I identified what they are. Um, and so, yeah, as I mentioned earlier, I joined the team and went back and, yeah, program manage that, direct that now every year. Um, and the third hat that I wear is I actually work for a corporate as well. And I guess it's, I'm not going to mention who they are and it's important for me to, um, to mention, I guess, that the views and what I'm talking about today are my own. They're not of that organisation because you need to obviously point that out when you are and are not wearing that hat in, in my world. But I work in a field that's called corporate social responsibility. So I work in the area of, of the organisation where we do community investment. So we have a certain budget every year and we are able to support and make change around social issues and opportunities. So an example of a program that I've worked on most recently is um, program management and development of a behavioural change program that supports women to have a healthier relationship with money. So that was um, running workshops for hundreds of women across the year and, and working with a behaviour change expert to actually make sure that that program was having the um, effect that we really set out to have. And yeah, creating change for women around financial literacy and confidence and understanding their own goals and then actually feeling empowered and like they have a positive mindset to support those goals and go out and make change happen. So very aligned with those values too and passions that you have. Yeah, very aligned. Mm -hmm. Like if you think about it, there's, you know, there's not many, probably people don't typically think of working in a corporate as giving you the opportunity to live out those values of making a difference, of yeah, joy and productivity again as well. So, you know, I'm, I'm sure that whilst it's not stated as probably a value of any, any corporate, they are, of course, a business and they're, they're looking to have an impact with limited resources. Yes. So that's, that's a part of the challenge in that role is how do I um, connect those corporate resources most meaningfully for both the community and social issues and opportunities, but also there's another stakeholder in that case and it, it's our shareholders as well. Mm. So, yeah, it's a really, you know, it's really complementary. Um, it's an interesting challenge and, um, yeah, it's, it's fantastic. Yes. So if you're listening, you don't have to just have one job or one role. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a really good point. And, look, I think a lot of people, um, I think sometimes it's easy for people if they're really unhappy in a role to think that they need to make, um, you know, that their next role has to be this courageous leap into working on their, the thing that they're most passionate about. Mm. And some people definitely do that successfully. But probably what happens in, in more cases is that people start to experiment and start to explore different areas that they're excited in 
and what that could mean. And, and some of the passions that we've got, they can be kept sacred and actually away from the work that we do um, because sometimes when you do turn that passion into your work, it can present um, it can sometimes present some challenges for you and that the, the passion and the love and the energy that you spend on that passion can sometimes change. So certainly not always, but a great um, exercise that I've experienced was at the School of Life. I went to a workshop there and they ran an exercise around if you had five lives, what would the five jobs be that you would want to do? And so we're never going to have five lives, right? So it actually gave people some nice creativity and some freedom to think, well, if I did have five lives, what would those jobs be? And people were coming up with all sorts of great things. My A great friend that I was at this workshop with who was an accountant loved salami. And so he was writing down um, that he'd like to have a salami YouTube TV channel. <laughs> um, he'd like to have a food van, a, you know, a food truck that's all about selling salami. He's, you know, obviously really loves salami. <laughs> Not sure why I'm sharing this example with you now that I've started. But um, I, the, the next step then of that activity was around reinforcing that not very often people get an opportunity to make a grand leap or create an opportunity to make a grand leap from something that they don't enjoy or they just find mundane and boring completely to the other side around something that they absolutely love. So the idea was what if you wanted, if those are the five lives and the five areas that you would work on if you had more than one life, what are five tiny little projects that you can do now that you get to start to experiment and play with those things? So mm -hmm. it might have been, going to a course go to a course or read a book about something or start to watch YouTube videos about <laughs> how to make a salami TV channel or whatever it might be and I, I thought that was really practical and a great a great kind of free way for people to start to explore what they're excited about yes so he didn't throw in his accountant job and become a salami maker. <laughs> Not yet. Stay tuned. Yeah. In his next life. <laughs> yeah, stay tuned. Well, as part of that corporate uh, social responsibility role that you have, you've also, I know, coordinated a lot of volunteer um, time for employees. So I was wondering if you can talk on this a little bit and what lessons you've learnt around volunteerism that might be interesting for anyone who is listening and, and is thinking about volunteering but doesn't know where to start or how to make time for it or what to do there? Yeah, it's a great question. It flows on really nicely from the five lives actually because I think I think most people want to do some good and there's most people have a cause that they're passionate about or excited about and it could be because that's deep down in their soul or it could be through a personal experience if you know or something that someone close to them has experienced but from the volunteering role and I've worked on that program for two and a half years and what we did we actually during that time connected 18 million dollars of employee time um, value into hundreds of community organizations and so how that program was set up was that every employee had access to two days of volunteering um, some organisations now, or a lot of organisations are experimenting with these employee volunteering programs now. Um, and some organisations, especially when they're starting out, they might prescribe a small number of organisations that people can volunteer with. So they might say, these are the five we've got a relationship with. You can choose one of these to get involved with. 
the beautiful thing about the program that I worked on was that people actually had free choice of the cause or organisation that they spent their two days working with and they could do what we call general volunteering, so unskilled volunteering. So it might have been you know, helping out with anything that needed to be done. Um, it could have been cooking meals um, with fair share, an organisation that, that takes food that will be wasted otherwise and, and turns it into meals and then um, provides it to service providers that are looking after Melbourne's um, homeless people. Um, or it could have been working at the Cancer Council and packing bags um, or tying ribbons for World AIDS Day ahead, um, for the uh, Vic AIDS or something like that. So that's that unskilled work mm -hmm. or that was still very important. Or some people really wanted to use their skills for volunteering as well. So um, lawyers might support an organisation to review some contracts or to give some advice around what an organisation needed to look out for or someone that was madly brilliant at Excel might have been able to sit down with an organisation and help them sort out their data so that they could serve their customers and their clients better. Um, I guess the really important thing from a volunteering perspective is that if you think about how um, people get paid good money to manage teams of people that are employed to work for them and that role can be challenging because even though there's contracts in place that say these five people, they work for you in a team and you've got some shared goals as a team and you need to deliver on those by a certain date. But it, a volunteer managers are actually, they're harnessing people via their goodwill mm. and they're working with, um, you know, it could be hundreds of volunteers to really um, organise them on a non-paid basis to achieve a social outcome. So I guess if you are interested in volunteering, um, definitely go out there and, and look for some opportunities. The one thing I would say is the organising volunteers is a really tough job and it's really challenging. So be really kind um, to the organisations that you're approaching with your skills and experience and help them help you by letting them know what it is that you can help out with how much time you're likely to be able to support with, are you going to be able to support on an ongoing basis or is it a one-off and, and what does that look like? So you can really help them understand and, and picture where you might be able to best help in that organisation. If those opportunities aren't available, so say you were really passionate about homelessness and you contacted an organisation and you've got mad marketing skills that you would like to use, Sometimes there's not going to, just because you're ready, sometimes the organisation isn't going to be ready to fully embrace you and, and completely maximise your skills. But that would be the same anywhere. Sometimes organisations aren't ready to really make the most of, of the skills and experiences that they have available. And that, that's simply not because people don't care or they don't value your, your experience. It's just because it takes work to set projects up. So if that's the case and you are interested in skilled volunteering, then I'd say definitely go for it. Um, be really clear around what you can offer and how much time you can offer. And in the meantime, there's in any given day, there's thousands and thousands of volunteering opportunities that are already scoped out. They're already defined. They've already, they're already set up and waiting for people to get involved. And a, a great resource for that is um, govolunteer.com if you're in Australia. And um, yeah, I'm sure other countries have, have a similar um, resource as well. 
and bonus points if it aligns with your top five lives. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> bonus points if it aligns with your top five lives. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's great. a great volunteering is another great one of those projects that you can start to experiment and learn a little bit more about a cause. Yes. Now, the, uh, the other thing that I hear you talk about a little bit or that I read is around um, global change coming from personal leadership. And I suspect that that's going to align with the top five and and with gratitude practice and everything we've talked about earlier. But I'd love to just, if we could flesh that out and explore it a little bit more, what you mean by personal leadership and why it's important and what we can do to yeah, take on this personal leadership. Yeah, so the premise of any leadership program that I've worked on is really around the opportunity to build self-awareness um, because when we build self-awareness, we can build self-esteem and then we're in a position to be more passionate, courageous and confident with our leadership. So I really believe that that building self-awareness, understanding ourselves as well as we possibly can, can really support us with our personal leadership and, and our leadership beyond our own lives as they currently are today. You know, leadership is, it can be really lonely and it can take a lot of energy. Uh, it can mean standing up for a cause that sometimes isn't the most popular cause. You know, great leaders, they know themselves well, they know their strengths and weaknesses so that, and they, they feel confident to surround themselves with other people that can make up for those those shortfalls that they might have rather than being able to do everything themselves. So it can be really tricky. And so I, I really believe that and, and leadership leaders often have a vision or they have a real thirst to create a vision of a new world. And so I think there's a real interconnectedness between looking forward to that vision but also really being able to build on a strong foundation of how far you've come already. And there's a, a strategic coach, Dan Sullivan, which talks about this idea concept of the gap. Um, and he says that if you think about where you are now today and where you'd like to be, if you look at it like a straight line between where you are now and where you'd like to be, but what actually can happen is a bit of a gap can open up, you know, a bit of a pit between those two points. And that's where people can feel like that vision is so far away that they can fall into overwhelm and procrastination and they're not actually taking any steps towards that vision and where they'd like to be. And so what Dan Sullivan says is look back at how far you've come. So don't be inspired by the vision, but don't compare yourself to the vision. Compare yourself to how far you've come. And there is that really beautiful connectedness between leadership and gratitude there and you know, how far we've come can be captured by those top five moments every day, those positive moments that capture the tiniest things, which are actually the most meaningful things for us. And when you do that, you're more likely to be more energetic, more optimistic, more socially connected, um, more generous and promote that cycle of generosity to be healthier, have an elevated mood, you'll have better stress management skills, better, you know, be able to learn faster um, be able to sort, remember information and sort information in a way that's more helpful for you so that you can actually recall it quicker when you need to. And, you know, they're all things that as a leader I want to be better at. And if I am, then, of course, I'm going to be a better leader and people are going to be more likely to want to work with me and follow me. And 
all of that can start and be built on and strengthened from this tiny little habit of genuinely reflecting once a day or through the day on the fly about the tiniest things and most positive things that are happening in your world. Yes. And and I know that a big why behind what you do here is to help people and to help them obviously build their source of strength and, and generosity and happiness and energy and all those beautiful things that you just said and, and to support them and essentially what where the theme of this podcast is and that's dreaming for others. And I'm curious because I know there's a lot of mission-driven advocates and uh, change makers listening. What what causes or issues are you really passionate about personally and how has this practice of yours enabled you to progress them, whether that be directly or even indirectly? Yeah, look, that's a really big question. <laughs> <laughs> that could be like it a really, whole episode in itself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, look, if I had to say a couple, I would, I'm, I'm passionate about the environment and sustainability and this incredible world that we get to live in thriving for as long as possible and for us to be kinder to each other and more caring and to have what we need rather than everything that we want, you know. So that that's really broad. But and it covers so many organisations, but I really believe in if, if we feel whole in ourselves, then we we feel more complete. And that doesn't necessarily need that we lot of we need a lot of things, but if we feel whole within ourselves, then we can look beyond ourselves. And so there's so many causes and not-for-profits and organisations that are really playing a part in bringing that to life. Um, one particular organisation, if, if I was to mention one that I um, am a, a big supporter of is Kiva, so K-I-V-A. Um, they, they offer microfinance loans to people all over the world. So anyone can jump online and lend $25 to someone somewhere else in the world that is really having a goal of life. Um, they're trying to make their world a better place. They're, they're starting a business or they're trying to support someone in their family to access medical care or education. And the, it sounds, um, it's not a donation. It's actually lending money to somebody that needs it so that then they're in a better position to be able to take their goals and dreams forward. And the statistics around it and payback rates are actually quite huge. So I think it's in the 90% that people that actually get their money paid back. But if not, then it's $25. So it's not necessarily the end of the world. Mm. I hear a lot of people, especially in the, in the corporate um, circles that I'm involved in, not in my immediate team because people that I work with in that immediate team, they're really passionate about um, social change and, and social opportunity. And that that's why they also work in, in corporate social responsibility. But other people um, that I know that work in the corporate space, they talk a lot about kind of getting their life in order and getting themselves sorted out now so that then later they can make a difference in some way. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be like that. Like there are so many ways now that people can actually be contributing and making change and rather than saying, I'm just so focused on my own life now, I'm going to sort it out and then later maybe when I've got time or some energy or some more money, then I'll look at who might need my help. And, yeah, it just doesn't have to be that way. And I think that Kiva is a really practical way for people 
to start knowing that the online world has it certainly has its pros and cons but Kiva the ability to jump online and and lend $25 to a woman in on in a country on the other side of the world that's trying to um, grow her business to support her family is pretty incredible. Yes it is I'm a huge fan of Kiva too and I I invest in a loan every time a new client signs up with me kind of in their name yeah, and it's okay. such a feel good <laughs> it's selfishly such a feel good moment as well yeah yeah right? it is yeah. yeah and do you know what that that what you've just said about that selfishly mm-hmm. any people when you're helping people um in some way there is always that that energy or that spark or that feel good moment that we all get mm-hmm. but like how great, what a win-win situation. Yes. <laughs> I know. I mean, I think we should own that as well because if you're really giving, if you're giving effective help, if you're giving kind of surface level help to people around stuff that they don't necessarily need, yeah. then I think that's selfish. Like that's around, that's all about you trying to feel better. And you see that happening all the time, people doing things with good intentions, but they're not actually listening to what's really been needed. Mm. But if you're genuinely listening or you're taking guidance from organisations that know how to do this best and they've they've put in the time and the resources or they're actually client-facing and they're seeing day-to-day the people that are on the other end of their services that need a hand for whatever reason or need some support, if you get a kick out of supporting in a really genuine way, then I reckon by all means soak it up and enjoy it because that's likely to drive you to do it again. You know, mm. feeling those positive emotions is likely to drive you to take more positive action. So mm. so um, don't say selfishly next time. <laughs> don't, no, don't say so. Own it, totally own it. Yeah, and I know that you don't mean that and I, I certainly um, don't mean to say that you're a selfish person. But I Yeah, at all. But I think that, you know, sometimes people – they use that as another excuse to not help yes. by just saying, oh, you know, you're only doing that to feel good yourself. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm, there's many things that I do that I'm motivated by both feeling good myself but also being able to have a genuine impact too and, and I'm totally okay with that. Yes. Like hold me up to that if you want to because it's, yeah, it's, it's great and it's more likely to drive me to do more. Yes, and especially when there's such simple things like that and there's not, uh, you know, a lot of people think they can't afford to make a difference, that they need to have lots of money before they can do anything and and Kiva's just an example of where you don't really. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, we're nearing the end. I'm I'm hogging your time, but I'm going to try and squeeze in a couple more. And that is basically, I'm curious, I like asking this question every now and again, that who or what inspires you to, to do the work that you do and to dream for others and to create that vision that you have for the world? So anyone that is actually having a go inspires yes. me. Anyone that's taking responsibility for their own life and is making steps, whether they be small um, or big, in in a direction that both makes them happiest but also is having a good impact on the world, they get me every single time, mm-hmm. without a doubt. Yes, me too. Me too. I was just thinking as you're speaking, I have this event tomorrow with um, a group of local women who are raising money for charity through watching the Dream Girl film and and what they're doing is just amazing taking their time out of their day and investing that money and in supporting our our local community that's an example of who's inspires me 
Yeah, it's incredible. And, and yeah, it's incredible to, for the work that you're doing too there, Naomi. I know you're getting so many people involved and opening people's eyes to this other world, which is um, brilliant and game-changing. Oh, thank you. Watch out. I'm going to get a big head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thank you. And before we finish, what's next? What's next for you? And especially when it comes around, you know, dreaming for yourself and for others and, and the world. Yeah, so for me, I'm I'm um, I'm certainly going to keep taking steps towards that vision, and yeah, vision of a world where no one is in need and people are health at their healthiest, both physically and mentally. Small things make the world go round. Our planet's thriving, and we're connected in the most meaningful ways. That's that's my life. You know, that everything that I do is going to connect up to that in some way, and and be an opportunity for me to keep living out those values and that are right at my core. Um, most immediately, I'm, I'm really focused at the moment on getting this um, product which and, and happiness tool into as many hands as possible. So I have a goal to get this into um, the pockets or the handbags of a million people. So mm-hmm. most immediately, I'm, I'm really focusing on that. Um, the feedback that I've been getting is um, incredible and people are really um, having a chance to wake up to the incredible life that they're a part of already um, so that that's most immediately what I'm doing. Um, but yeah, that does of course link up into that broader vision. And I guess the other thing I'm doing is yeah, just sharing far and wide as much useful and practical um, thinking and simple tools for a happier life that people can pick up and experiment with and play. And of course, the the top five um, writing a top five is one of those. And if I could just share with you, it's nearly the end of uh, when we're recording this, it's nearly the end of spring in Australia. And so if people picked up a pen now and actually wrote down a top five for the few days that we have left of spring and then every day of summer, by the end of Feb, they'd actually have um, you know, 500 positive ways to remember this next season. And, you know, if they did, their worlds would not be uh, only be a more awesome place, but the broader world would be a more awesome place too. So, uh, That's amazing and thank you. That's the little nudge I need to do exactly that. So thank you. I hope others listening will join me. Great. <laughs> and just while you were talking just on the fly, I'm totally just saying this out loud as I'm thinking it and I'm going to pop in the show notes a way that some of the listeners can win a few of your decks. So jump over to my website to check that out and I'll put all the links that you've mentioned and resources that you've mentioned in the show notes so thank you thank you for doing what you do and for taking some time out on your Saturday morning <laughs> to chat to us today and I just I can't wait to hit publish on this so that everyone can learn from you as I just have beautiful thanks so much Naomi I've loved speaking with you Thank you for listening to the Dream for Others podcast with Naomi Arnold. For episode notes, further inspiration and access to my free resources, please visit naomiarnold.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, I would love for you to please subscribe, leave a review in iTunes and share it with your friends or peers. Let's continue to dream for others and I'll talk to you soon.